Good morning. How is everyone doing today? Man, you just got through work. You was either faking it real good in worship, or you just got so wore out from it. So I'm just going to take that you got wore out. They just, they just totally, it's like, Pastor, we're just tired now. We've just been worshiping. and It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. The last several weeks, I dealt with a series on being filled, uh, being full, what it was to be full. And we talked about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We talked about uh, the role that He plays in our lives. We talked about different parts of that, of how He is our comforter, He is our guide. We talked in another sermon where He is our power, our dunamis power. We talked about how He is our transformer. He transforms our lives inwardly and then eventually outwardly. And then ultimately we talked about He is the gift agent from God. He is the gift agent. The gifts come because of Christ, because of what He's done. Christ sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us gifts that are able to transform our world. Just like Jesus did in His time. It's not that Jesus was a unique thing. It's not that Jesus was just an outlier. It's that Jesus was only one of what God wanted to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people walking the earth, praying for the sick, watching miracles take place, watching things take place, living a life of doing good, watching it shine in our world. And if we do that, then that's why Jesus said, greater things will you do than I did because I'm going to the Father. There's going to be a myriad of you people that live like me, walk like me. In fact, the word Christian, when somebody says, I'm a Christian, it literally means little Christ. So when you tell someone, I'm a Christian, you're just telling them, I'm a little Jesus. That's what, I, that's what you're saying. I'm a little Jesus. So they're actually going to look, and that's why I tell people a lot of times, don't tell people you're Christians. Don't, don't even say that. Tell people you're saved. Tell people you're born again. Tell people you're in the family of God. Tell them you're going to heaven. T tell them whatever you want. But when you say, I am a Christian, you're saying that I walk like and I act like Jesus. I'm a little Jesus. So you find out then, when people mess up, what are the first thing they're going to say? Well, I didn't know Christians talked like that. I didn't know Christians acted like that. What have you done? You just told them who you were, and now they're going to watch you like a hawk because your whole goal in life is to win them. They know from the moment you say, I'm a Christian, my goal is to win you. That's, that's the whole purpose of a Christian, to win souls. So if you're in a business office and you say, I'm a Christian, well, every sinner in that place, buddy, is fixing to keep up with everything you do. They're fixing to watch you. They're fixing to listen to you. When you hit your finger on something, if you staple your hand, if you do anything, believe me, they're listening. What, what did you just say? D did you say? No, I didn't say that. I thought I heard. It, it becomes an understanding. So why is that so important, Brother Lot? Because what I want to deal with over this next little bit of time, over these next four weeks or so, as we kind of, and I, and I may break it, and for a different uh, thing that we'll be working on. But I want to cover this because I told you the thrust that God's put in my heart for this whole year has been to be filled, to be overflowing, to be full. So we're going to work on a series that, that I'm going to kind of call it a series, but it's called Making a Move or Make a Move. Look at the person beside you and say, it's time to make a move. For the church, it is, it is imperative that we make a move. Over this COVID, over all the things that's taken place, just over the last 20 years, the church has lost so much of what it used to be. And if the church doesn't, in a, in a real hurry, decide to make a move, we can sing all the, the modern songs, we can, we, can, we can have radio stations, we can put people on TV, we can do, and we can watch our world, our country even, continually fall apart. How can it be, brother? We got churches, thousands of people that can't change their city. What, what's, the, what's the problem? It's the problem is, is that we haven't decided to ultimately make a move. In fact, let me ask you this question. If I were to ask you, tell me the most important church statistic, 
what would it be? If you were, if you were coming to church, if you were, if you were an organizer, if you were a pastor, and I said, okay, what's the most important statistic that we can go by? Most people would say attendance, because I get that all the time. People come up to me and say, well, how many of y'all run? Anybody ever get that? How, how many of y'all, many people y'all run out there at all seasons? Well, I always just tell people, well, I'm chasing a bunch of them. I don't catch many of them each week, but I'm chasing a bunch. I've been running all week. That ain't what I mean. Or they'll ask me, what's your membership? Even if I go to the bank and want to borrow money, first thing on that certificate thing is, what is the membership? What is this? What's the age bracket? How is it broke up? What? Different people are looking for different statistics and different things to measure whether your church is healthy or not, whether you are a good church or not. We, we have always never used numbers. You won't walk around and find a board somewhere that says, here's how many you had last week. And growing up in the church that I grew up in, that was a norm, buddy. We had a big old board. This is how many we ran last week. This is how much our offering was. This was our record attendance of all time. You had this board that you went by. And I, was, I used to see that thing. And I used to do like, Ugh. I was glad when I got rid of it. So, so I, I don't use that. My mom even gets kind of miffed at me because we still have to turn in our numbers. It comes out in a paper that's called the Mississippi Messenger. And, and so each week, each month, we have to turn it in. And I have somebody walk around. You'll see them walk around kind of just checking on each class or checking, counting numbers. It's not accurate. We, we, don't, we count early. We have people coming in halfway through. We, we don't even go. I tell my mom, she says, well, this is the number y'all been at forever. I said, yeah, because that's the number I turn in every time. And she's like, she just kind of had these big eyes. My mom, you got to understand, she comes from that background where I came from. And she's like, you don't count. Tim, you, you, need, you need to be. I said, I said, Mom, I said, it's a good number. I said, nobody knows. nobody. Cares. I said, we probably have a lot more than this. I said, and she said, well, you ought to be putting that. I said, no, that's not what we use to measure our health. The only statistic that matters when you measure health of a church is simply this. If I had a 500-person church, let's just say we have a 500-person church, but I only have about two or 300 that show up each week. Got 500 members, only 200 show up. Out of those 200, only about 20 of them actually work in you know, teaching classes, doing this, doing that. So I got 20 people out of 500 people that's actually doing any ministry. Is that a healthy church? No. So our goal many years ago was to say, you know what, we don't care about the numbers. Our whole purpose is to reach, teach, train, release. Our whole goal is to find, have everybody try to find through what God has gifted them, what the Holy Spirit's moved, to find a place where you can be active at all seasons. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, the most miserable people at all seasons are the people that aren't active. And I can't fix it. It's either the temperature's too this and it needs to go down. It's too hot in there. It's the, the music's too loud. It's too this. Uh, they sing the wrong style. I like Southern gospel. They sing as contemporary stuff. I can't. None of that's what really causes people to stay or leave. What causes people is whether or not you are involved or not. Whether you are connected or not. Whether you found a place where you can do ministry as God's called you to do ministry. When you will, when you will hunt and seek and find that doesn't matter if you just clean uh, uh, during the week. Doesn't matter if you work in kids' church. Doesn't matter if you work at God's way. Doesn't matter. There's a million things you can do. You like building stuff? I can really hook you up. Just get with me. The question is, is whether you want to do it. I wake up every day with a list. I don't get bored. Because the, whatever gifts I have, God says, oh, I got something for that. Yeah, I've got some things for that. I've got on top of the other. If you like to visit, then there's people to visit. Brother Kenneth James, just, just, just yesterday, he, he, he's had a little more trouble with his heart. And, and I appreciate all the people that called and, and, and went by to check on him. And diff There's a million things that you can do that we call ministry. 
But it all depends on one mindset, whether or not I want to be healthy. Attendance is not the way or the healthy way to determine whether a church is healthy. That's where the strength of the church really is. Everybody realizing what their gifts are and utilizing those gifts to the very most, to the greatest ability, to the glory of God. Not just coming to church, not not just acting. In fact, John MacArthur said it this way. I love this quote. He said, no local congregation will be what it should, what Jesus prayed that it should be, what the Holy Spirit gifted and empowered it to be until it understands spiritual gifts. And I would add to that, until they are utilizing or using their spiritual gifts. That's what he meant. I just want to make sure it's clarified. He said, you want to to have a healthy church? He said, where everybody realizes what I'm called to do and they're working in it and they're working for the kingdom and they're all working together. Go with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. Here's what it says. You are still worldly. For since there is just uh, jealousy and quarreling among you, you are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? See, the whole thing of the church is, is that we were never to act like mere humans. That's what the world does. The world acts like, talks like, eat like, picks its TV shows by, listens to its radio by, it, it, is, it is by nature worldly. And he says, they're just humans. They're just normal humans. Not bad, not good. They're just humans. And he says, listen to me. Are you not like mere humans when you are acting like and doing the things of this world? Now, as we talked over the last few weeks about the Spirit, I want to, to break down a little more what I'm talking about because There's two areas in which the Spirit is going to work in your life. What Paul is talking about right here is the inward work that God has called the Holy Spirit to do. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. So if we said, I'm going to work, I'm just going to live a normal life. What does a normal life look like in this world? Well, in Galatians 19 through 26, Paul gives us this. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 26. And, and I'll just go through the list real quick. I'm not just going to read it. But here's what he says. If you act normal in the world, just look at the person beside. Are you normal? Just ask them, are you normal? Okay. Well, if you're normal, here's what you look like. You will struggle with sexual immorality. You'll struggle with what you watch. You'll struggle with what you think. You'll struggle with immorality in your sexual life. You're normal. Isn't that what the world says? We need to give 13-year-olds condoms, and we need to do sex education. Why? Because it's normal. You can't fight normal. Why are we fighting it? It's just normal. Paul said, if you act normal, this will be normal in your life. Everybody has, everybody struggles, everybody. You'll have impurity in your life. He said the second thing is is that you'll just have an impure life. You'll You'll have sayings like this, well, everybody sins a little. Everybody sins a little. Don't you sin a little every day? Don't you sin? Aren't you just impure? How about lack of self-control? How about irresponsibility? How about idolatry? Sorcery? Anybody play Ouija boards, like to watch horror movies that deal with demons and different things of that nature? You like playing with that stuff? How about hostility? You always got something sarcastic to say. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger. You know, you just can't help yourself. You know, I, sometimes I just, I just lose it. Disputes, factions that divide. You have factions that this group is better than this group, and, and, and I like them better than I like them. How about envy, drunkenness, or as we would say in this time, Anything that is, is chemical-based, anything that would be drugs or anything that would, you would need to chemically change you so that you can deal with the stress and the pressure and the problems of this world. It can be even prescribed by your doctor, but you know that you don't take it for what it's for. You take it because you're addicted to it. 
You're drunken on the fact that you have to have things to deal with life. Not just alcohol in their time and back in, in their day, but now we have opioids and we have other things and, 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 and ways in which we say, well, you know, I just have to have that, Brother Lot. I can't sleep at night. I, I can't function without this. I can't. Really? That's just being normal. Just being normal. The world looks at you and says, it's normal. And eventually it leads to the last one he calls riotous behavior. You ever turn on the TV and see riots? Turn on the TV and see people burning buildings and doing crazy things. And if their favorite football team doesn't win, they burn the city down nearly. If the team does win, they burn the city down. Either way, we're, we're rioting. Either way. I love it when they have the court cases and, 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 and they'll say, well, either way, there's going to be rioting. I'm thinking, really? Win or lose, we, we're, just, we're going to take to the streets as soon as this thing's over. One, I've been wanting to burn something for a long time. Well, it's just normal. When you look at our politicians and all the stuff that they, and they, they, they say, oh, it's about because we, we want environment and we want this. No, it's normal to be power hungry. It's normal to want all of that. It's normal to lie, cheat, steal. We don't think anything of it because we're normal, therefore they're normal. We elected them because they're normal. And then we complain because on live TV, they act like what we voted for. What are you complaining about? They're just normal. So they embezzled some money. You would do the same thing. So they took some money under the table. You would do the same thing. See, you're normal. And they're normal. And Paul said to them, he says, are you not just mere humans when you act like this? Don't you just act like just mere people? He said, but that's not how we're supposed to act. In fact, just like in Galatians 19, it, it doesn't end there. Here's what the next verse, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit. If I decide to be not normal... My mind always goes when I say that to young Frankenstein. My mind always just goes there. Because if you remember the movie, Igor is supposed to go get a brain. Or Igor. And he grabs one, but he drops it. And then he gets another one from off the shelf, and he takes it to him, and they put it in. And when Frankenstein wakes up, he's like all messed up. And he's like... Did you get me the right brain? He said, he said well, we had a problem. He said, well, what brain did you get? He said, I got some lady named Abby Normal. It was Abby Normal's brain. And, and, and I love where he's choking him. And he said, you telling me I put an abnormal brain in a nine-foot-tall person? And I always think of that because we as Christians are not normal. In fact, in different places, it describes us as aliens, as pilgrims passing through. We're not like the world. And we're not like the world just because we come to church or because we signed up or because we uh, got a membership or because we play K-Love or because we... It's not what makes us different. It's what comes out of our lives that makes us different. Listen to what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, when we say love, it means an unselfish concern for others doesn't mean like, well, I just love you. No, no, it means an unselfish concern. It means when I see somebody who has need, I help them. I, I love people. I love to help. My love has actions to it. Joy and peace, that comes from the inner. The inner person, you have joy and peace. No matter what circumstances or trials or whatever's going on, you have learned to just have inner peace. you got inner joy. I, I'm just, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I can't stress over things like everybody else. I wish I could. Patience. Patience doesn't mean to sit still in a chair until everything passes over. This patience literally translates how we act while we're waiting. How you act while you're waiting. What you're doing with your time while you're waiting. What you're doing with your life. There's kindness, goodness, gentleness. That's what we do for others. And then finally, it speaks of us. Self-control. Or how your integrity 
or character, how your courage is. If, if you were to live in the world as a Christian, as someone saved, this should be the contrary parts of our life. One is normal, mere human. One is spirit-filled and spirit-led. And because of it, we don't act like or talk like or think like. Not because we're trying to live for God. It's because it's natural for us. It's natural for us not to want to hurt anyone. It's natural for us not to want to say something negative. It's natural for us not to want to do something destructive. It's natural for us to have love, joy, peace, kindness, temperance, long-suffering. All of these things moving through our life, operating in our lives. That's why he asked, are you just mere humans? Is this, is this all that you are? Go with me to John 10 and 10. John 10 and 10. Here's what it says. The thief comes only to steal, to, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. But it doesn't end there. There's a comma. Right? But like... You know, I just, I just want to have a, 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 a good life. Well, that's sad. Brother, I, you know, I just, I, just want, I just don't want to have the old life that I had. Anybody ever get saved because of that? I, I, just, don't want, I just don't want to be what I used to be. Well, I thank God he, he, I'm not what I used to be. Well, that's great. But that's not why God came. That'd be a sad life to live living normal, and ever so often thinking about what you used to be. But for most Christians, that is their life. Trying to live normal and not think about the things they messed up or the people they hurt or the things. And, and some days guilt just overwhelms them. Why? Because nothing's really changed as far as abundance in their life. They're just living a life. But they think of all the bad things, the negative things that are But Jesus said, listen, the thief has come only to steal, kill, and destroy. But when I changed your life, I didn't change it just to not be stolen from or killed or destroyed. I changed it to this degree. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Remember I preached a series. What was it? Fullness. Didn't use this scripture because I wanted to save it for now. I said, listen, we're talking about full. When he says full, he says overflowing, running over. If you had a cup, it'd be sitting on a saucer. You'd pour it in, the cup would fill up. You'd pour it, the saucer would fill up. You'd keep pouring, it'd be running off the table. He said, that's what I want people to see when I look at your life. I want people to look at your life and think, well, they're just like me. No, I want people to look at your life and think, Man, they're, they are some kind of a different. They're, they're full. Their life is full. Why? They're always smiling. They're always happy. But if we don't change it, then we're in trouble. If we don't change the direction we're going in our lives, if we don't get more than 10 out of the 500 or 20 out of the 500 working in a church, or, or if we don't get everybody involved and everybody committed, let me tell you what's going to happen. What's already happening to churches and congregations and people all over. Here's what's happening. 50% of members in the United States are not certain of their salvation. 50% of people sitting in the chair, well, I, I, you know, I've done all, I hope I'm saved, I hope I make it. 70% of members to 80% of members seldom ever attend church. Almost 80% of the people that you meet, are you a member of a church? Yeah, you go to church. Well, you know, it's, I ain't been able, I ain't been going like I should. Y'all know some? 70% of members give less than 1% to their church. You done spent, maxed out your credit card, you're trying to live life, trying to be normal, driving things you can't afford, living in things you can't pay the electric bill on. They hadn't made you happy. All you've done is decide to cut what you give to something else. Hey, we need to reduce our uh, dish. We're going to have to go to a lower package. Well, you know, we got to pay tithes this week. Oh, Lord, no, 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 no. We go, we just give, how much, we'll just give $5 this week. 
Most people, 70% of members now, not people who just show up to church, 70% would give less than 1% to their church. 80% of members have no ministry within the congregation. 80% of the people, 8 out of 10. Most of them have no ministry, nothing they're doing in the church. 80% of members do not attend Sunday school or any small group. Even if they just come to the worship service, you know how you kind of plan it. It's like, look, uh, church starts at 8. Oh, yeah, church starts at 8. But now look, they sing for about 40 minutes. And if we, if we get there at about 8.40, we'll be just in time to hear pastor preach. 80% of people are not connected in any small group, Sunday school. Now listen, I'm not trying to say this to say, well, of all seasons, it's hurting. We're an exception. Listen to me very carefully. We are an exception. Just like this last Wednesday night, I got nearly 200 people in different groups all over, men's groups, got more men's groups, got nearly 20 ladies in a ladies' group, plus I had all the group I had out here. We're blessed. But I'm asking you, are you part of where the Spirit is growing, maturing, or are you part of the 80% that says, I'm not connected? 2,500 to 4,000 churches close every year. That's about 10 churches a day. Let me give it to you in statistics. In 1900, just in 1900, there were 27 churches for every 10,000 people. Now, 27 churches couldn't house all 10,000, but that was the normal. There was 27 churches for every 10,000 people. You would think, man, there's churches everywhere today. Listen carefully. There are only 12 for every 10,000 now. No need in having them. Nobody's coming to them. Twelve churches for every 10,000 people. So when somebody says, bro, I don't want people going over to the church next door. I wish they'd all... Look, let me just go ahead and break it to you. There are plenty of people out there to fill up every church in Scott County. And we still would have to build more churches. People going to somebody else's church is not our problem. It's being who we're supposed to be in our church. That's why he says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The world is longing to see that. And the only way it's going to happen is not through just us coming and us going through routines or rituals. It has to come through the Spirit. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And I want to read verse 14. And I'll read all the way to chapter 3, verse 3. And I want to show you the three types of people that Paul said you have to deal with in church or in the world or in your working. Here's what he said. The person without the Spirit. Now notice he doesn't say the person out of church or person. Paul, if I was around Paul, I would have loved hanging with him. Because we would not have talked about church attendance. We would not have talked about all the things that people use as, as measuring sticks. Paul would have said, Tim, tell me about spiritually how you're doing. Tell me spiritually how you're doing. Is the Spirit moving in your services? Do you feel the Spirit? Can people feel the Spirit when they walk in? Is the Spirit of God having liberty? Is there freedom? Is there things happening in your church? He wouldn't have cared what color church, what shape church, what size church. Wouldn't care if we had slanted floors. All he would have wanted to know. And he said, listen to him, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. That's why some of you show up and it's hard to even stay awake for two hours in church. This is stupid stuff. I mean, well, yeah, you're never going to use it. It's really, I'm not going to love my enemies. I ain't loving that person who slapped me last week. I want to shoot them. I don't care what Pastor Lot says. I'm not using any of this stuff. So when you have a person who has no spirit, the spirit of God, remember now they're normal. They're just normal people. When normal people hear and get involved or get around the church, they are going to look at it, and a person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. No matter how much I preach, 
I love people to say, well, Pastor Lot, you can explain things. And Pastor Lot, you break things down. And man, you make it so simple. Let me give you a secret. I don't do any of that. What's happening is, is that I am prayed up in one mindset. God, as I'm speaking, let your spirit make it clear. That's why five of you can be sitting here and hear five different things. And, and, and hear five different avenues. One of you like, I need to go do this. Another one's like, I need to start doing this. Another one's like, I got to correct this. And I didn't say any of that th- stuff. What happened? The spirit has to move. The only thing that will change a person's life is when the spirit of God, and if the church doesn't realize that, we're going to keep closing doors until we realize it's not by power nor might, by, by all of our fancy things or a building or this. And I thank the good Lord for all of it. It's wonderful that he's blessed us. But none of this it makes any difference. This is just a two. I had just as much of God over in that little building 20 years ago as I got today in this building. That, that makes no difference. If you put me in a shed downtown, it's going to be the same thing. I've been there. I, I had just as much spirit downtown in a shed. Why? Because it's the spirit that makes the difference. And it's the spirit that changes the life. It's the spirit that touches a person's heart and makes them realize you can invite someone to church and you can say, well, if I could just get them to come here, Pastor Lot, if I can just get them to come, come here, this, that's great. But let me tell you what you need to be doing. You need to be praying that whole week that they're coming. God, what they need more than anything else is they need the power of the Holy Ghost to touch their life. They need the spirit of God to transform the way they think. They need the spirit of God to get a hold of them. And that God, they need your spirit to wake them up and let them be able to see things they can't see through the natural. I know they're just normal. God, they're just normal. But God, somehow make them abnormal. Somehow make them above normal. Somehow take them to a level. Open their minds and their ears and their hearts and let them. That's what you need to be praying. Because you can get saved listening to it on TV. You can get saved listening to a song on the radio. But you cannot get saved unless the Holy Spirit is in the radio or He's in the sermon or He's in the house. No one comes to the Father but by the Spirit. So, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things. Verse 15, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The spiritual person sees life from a different angle. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still... And you would think that Paul saying this would say, Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, boy, I, I, I want to just share. But he stops and he says, now i got to stop here because I can't really talk to you about these things. I really can't sit down and have a conversation. It, you ever been in a room just a conversation with people that are, that are all spiritual people? I mean, if you, some of y'all may, very few have maybe. But that is the cool thing. When, when, when everybody in there is spiritual, and, it, and you can just bring out a scripture, you can just start talking about anything, and it always comes back to what God's doing. It always comes back to, it, it doesn't matter if somebody had a flat tire. It, it's like, boy, I'm telling you what, I've had a flat tire once. Let me tell you what God did. I mean, it's just, it all comes back. Why? Because what happens is, is because of their spiritual ability, it causes their life to be transformed. But he says, listen, brother, I couldn't address you as people who live by the Spirit Because you're still worldly. Mere infants in Christ. You are still worldly since there is... uh, I, I, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready for it. Now this is this is strange because what church is he writing to? The Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had every gift. The Corinthian church had every gift that there was. That's what's so unique to me. Now, if he was just writing to 
to some church that he just had this letter, and I'm going to put this one letter in here to this one church that's just really dry and just really dying and really... But he wrote to the Corinthian church, and he starts off by saying, you're not lacking any gifts. You have all the gifts. Man, you, you have worship service. It's like the, it's like the joke of the, of the guy who had a heart attack in church one day. And they called the ambulance, and the ambulance come in, and finally they got the guy in the ambulance, and, and, and they were like, the pastor was standing outside. He was like, he was like is everything okay? And the, and the ambulance driver said, yeah, it's okay now. He said, he said you know, it was, just, it was kind of touch and go there for a while. And they were like, well, what was the wrong? He said, well, we went in eight times and carried eight people out before we finally found the right one on the floor. You'll get that if you're Pentecostal. But the fact was, is they weren't normal. But you're still worldly since, since here's what, jealousy and quarreling. I mean, even among churches, we can't, this denomination, that denomination, this. And we call ourselves the body of Christ. We're the body that keeps stabbing every different parts of our body and wondering why we're hurting. He said, you're still worldly since there's jealousy and quarreling among you. you are, are you not worldly? Are you not like mere humans? Let's look at real quick these, these people. When we talk about this spirit, see what the Holy Spirit wants to do more than anything else is He wants to manifest in our services. I'm not saying there has to be ten people on the floor. But he wants to manifest. But here's the problem. If I'm mere human and the fruit of the Spirit is not operating in my life, it makes it either very hard or very confusing to the world who sees us operate in gifts. There's nothing more confusing than to watch somebody who's laid hands on sick people, watch, I mean, just, just done miracles, I mean, just, I mean, all kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden realize he had three girlfriends on the side. It's like, really? But man, he did such... No, don't get me wrong. He was very gifted. And the Holy Spirit who wanted to work in the church, who wanted to minister in the church, used him or her. But he couldn't stand. It couldn't last. Because the fruit of the Spirit was not substantiated in their life. They were still mere humans. So when we say manifest, here's what we're talking about in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7, and we won't go to all this description, but I'm just going to read them to you. The, a person is made up of a body, spirit, and soul. A person is divided into three, body, spirit, and soul. A church is divided into body, spirit, and soul. Heaven has Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Trinity is, is what God uses to connect us. To connect us. And, and when he's talking here about there's division among you, there's, there's, there's envy among you, what's he talking about? Because they have all the spiritual gifts. Well, let me break them down for you. The first three of the spiritual gifts represent the soul. A soul of a person is the decision-making part. It's the deep part of you that makes decisions. Now, this is real deep stuff, so I want you to, you may want to write this or really think about what I'm saying. I'll get back to preaching in a couple minutes. The soul of a person is where I make my decisions. It's the seat of life. It's the decision-making part. It's what's described in 1 Corinthians as wisdom, knowledge, and faith. I make my decisions based on my knowledge, my wisdom, and the faith that I have. Just like a person. Just like a church. A church has to have a part of it inside of it. There has to be members inside a church who are manifesting these things. There are people within all seasons that they operate in these gifts. In wisdom. I have, I have a bunch of them on my board and a bunch of them I talk to even outside my board. And when I'm doing different projects, I'm like, look, can I talk to you about this? Can I? Why? Because God has gifted them with knowledge. 
things I don't know anything about, don't know how it works. They were, they were talking the other day. I was riding in the truck with two or three guys, and they were talking about different things, wood and this and figures and stuff. And, and somebody looked over at me. I said, well, you lost me about three sentences ago. I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's okay. Because as long as I got somebody in the truck who has wisdom or has knowledge and has faith and has that, I'm okay. As long as the church has that, it's going to be okay. It is one side. It's the soul. It's the decision-making side of a church or your life. You make your decisions out of faith, out of wisdom, out of knowledge, faith in the Word, faith in what God has spoken. The second part is your body. It's your body. The church has a body. Do you know inside the body of the church, there are people who have to have healings and miracles and prophecy? The next three are broken down into what describes your body. Oh, let me say that this way. I'm glad that in our church we have people who are sick. I'm glad within our church we have people who, who have confusing issues that we need to know, God, what are you going to do? Why do you wish that? I mean, why, why do you say that, Brother Lot? I'm glad that we have issues that arise in our church that we can't fix. Because every church needs miracles. Every church needs healings. Every church needs to prophesy when somebody's in a bad situation. There needs to be people that through the Spirit rise up and say, I'm telling you in three months you're going to be right here. I'm telling you I see a job coming. I'm telling you, wow, Brother Lot, that's weird. I know it's weird. It's part of the body. The body is weird. You don't think so? Why don't you put so many clothes over it? Because you think it looks weird. Yeah. And even people that think they got a good one, Photoshop it because it don't look good enough. Your body's weird. Look at the person beside you and say, your body's weird. Yeah, we're, we're kind of self-conscious about it. We just, we just worry about it. The body's weird. And when you have people inside the church, healings and miracles, that's weird. I believe in healing. That's weird, Brother Lot. I believe in miracles. That's weird, Brother Lot. I believe you can prophesy. That's weird, Brother Lot. But the body is weird. You can't just build the whole thing off of just knowledge and faith. and The body has to be involved. It's the outer part of your life. The spirit. Discerning spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. The spirit of your life represents the part that speaks directly with God. The spirit part of your life is that part where you don't even have real knowledge. You can't explain it. You just know it. Well, explain that to me. I can't. I just know it in my soul. How do you know you love that person? I just know it. Give me the information. I don't have good information. There's a song written years ago about that. Talking about, I, I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know. One lady wrote a song this way. She said, you'll know it when you kiss them. Why? Because there's some things that information can't answer. And there's some things, and there's sometimes, that's why tongues and interpretation of tongues and praying and doing those things and, and discerning spirits. When you walk up to somebody and, and, and you're just like, mm, that person, something ain't right. That situation, something ain't right. But how do you know? I just know. Well, you know something I don't know about them? I don't know anything about them, but I'm telling you. I just, me and God's got a direct line, and sometimes he skips my knowledge, and he skips my body, and he goes right straight to my soul. And I know it in my soul. In your life, this is what happens in your normal body and in the Christian body. In the church, what we need more than anything else is we got to have a body, a spirit, and a soul. And all of them, that's why he talks about there's factions among you. There's envies among you. Because one group got more attention than the other. You know which group got the most attention? The spirit side. 
Because they could holler and hoop and prophesy and speak and discern. And I always tell people this way. I can help anybody who needs help. You can tell they need help until they say one thing to me. Well, bro, like God told me. Well, now we're off the reservation because we can't talk in knowledge anymore and I can't use facts about your outer body. You've done pulled the trump card. That's a spiritual side that just says, well, if God told you, then I am not the person to tell you not to. Even though in my spirit, I'm like, I don't think God's as schizophrenic as that. You done changed your mind five times in the last three months. But if you say God told you, then praise the Lord. Y'all go get after it. You're, you're gonna bump, you ever bump into people like that? Oh, God, just I just feel in my... Okay. Well, this first person who is the natural person, let me explain to you. They have no appreciation for spiritual things. They don't accept spiritual things. This, this natural person has no comprehension of spiritual... In fact, the Bible describes them as dead. There's a part of them that's dead. And you in the Spirit, what I just talked about, you in the Spirit, you hear things, you see things, you feel things, you experience things. They don't. They don't. If, they, if they're selling a car and they need the money, they got no problems pouring a little sugar in it to make it run and sound good just for about an hour or two or three hours so they crank it up and sell it and by the time they get it down the road and it falls apart. They make sure they tell you, look, you buy it as is. Why? Because to them, that's natural. That's natural. The second person is a spiritual person he talks about. The verses 15 through 16 that we just covered. They're capable of discerning moments. They're capable of discerning times. They're capable of discerning events. The second thing about a spiritual person is they're a cause of amazement. Your life is a call. The world looks at you and is amazed by you. Now, they may say crazy things about you. Don't, don't worry about what they say. Well, you can't do the stuff we... No, can't do the stuff you do. Well, well you, you, they, they may call you weak. They may say you got to have... They may say all sorts of things because... Because they don't understand it. But listen to me. As they watch your life, they walk away in amazement. The greatest person to go talk to a drug addict is who? One who's recovered. Why? Because he can walk in the room, he can look at them, and they look at him with amazement. How did you do that? Why? They're amazed. The best person to go pray for someone with healing is someone who can walk in the room and say, let me tell you what God did for me a few years ago. I was diagnosed with this, and I'm telling you the same God that touched me can touch you. Why? Because the world is amazed by what God does through the life of a spiritual person. That's why the enemy tries to kill, steal, and destroy because he does not want that spiritual person walking around and talking and sharing and living in front of this world. They live in amazement. The third person that we talked about was the carnal person. Now, this is the one that I would spend a lot of time with if I had time. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, where he talks about, I would love to talk to you as grown. But the sad truth is, what's hurting the church and what's hurting the body right now, more than anything else, is the carnal Christian. You can live with people that just... They're normal. You know what they are. And spiritual people, they stick out like a sore thumb. You know who they are. But it's those people that are just not quite there. They're babies. The first thing you would describe them as, as immature. They're infants in Christ. They're, they're, they're childish. They're They're hot one day, cold the next. 
They're in one week and out the next. And the world wonders. I had, even this Wednesday night, it was kind of funny because I had one of the guys in my church call me and said, well, I heard you preached a good sermon Wednesday. And it was funny because it gave me an opportunity to jump on him. It's like, I was like, is that what you heard? And he said, yeah, so-and-so told me. Now, you got to understand, so-and-so is the one he's been trying to disciple. Yeah, they were there and told me it was a great sermon. I said, yeah, you should have been here. I said, that's sad that the person who is leading is the one who's sitting at home. I know. I didn't mean it ugly. What I wanted him to realize was, you got to grow up. People are watching you. They're not watching Pastor Lot. If I'd have been missing Wednesday night, it wouldn't have been a big thing. But you were the one that they've been watching. The one who told them that God is more important than anything. You're the one that told them, hey, man, I don't care what's going on. You be at your... You're the one that told them how important God was. And you're the one that wasn't there. And they sat by themselves. Luckily, Pastor Lot was there and they heard a good sermon. And luckily, they called you and told you you need to listen to it online. But that's not the way it should be. That's what Paul was dealing with. Paul said, listen, by now, it shouldn't be this way. Listen, a carnal Christian never gives in. They're selfish. They never get past being selfish. What's in it for me? What do I feel like doing? Anybody ever just not feel like coming to church? You ever just feel like not talking to somebody? You ever feel like not praying for somebody? I deal with it all the time. I was, I was coming in yesterday. I was tired. I, I'd been with my mom, and, and I, I, got a, I had a phone call, and it, it came through, and I just looked at it. Not because it was a person. not because It was just like, Lord, I don't feel like. It went through. Of course, you know, it left that number and name and. I said, all right, Lord. I pulled off the side of the road. I called. I said, what's going on? And it was. Her husband was in the hospital or headed to the hospital. It was, it was something needed prayer. And, and I said, let's pray. We're praying right now. And we're, we're just believing everything. There's going to be moments in your life where it's going to be much easier to just say, I don't feel like it. Fortunately, by the time I got home and pulled in my driveway, the phone rung again. Same person. I answered the phone. They said, oh, it turned out to be something less. They're giving them some medicine. They should be, may even send them home tonight. I said, thank the Lord. And they said, thank you. And here I've, I was beating myself up like, I don't know why you're thanking me. I didn't even want to answer the call. You know, we get that. Somebody's like, oh, I want to thank you because you cared so much. You're thinking, you have no idea how hard it was for me to answer that phone. I, I know I, I can be honest with y'all because y'all won't tell nobody. This will never get out of this building. But we all have to decide. See, immature, a, a child doesn't care. A child is selfish. A child doesn't care long term. They don't care about the other person. They just want what they want and they want it right now. A carnal Christian also is static. They never grow. Paul says, I should by now be talking to you about more spiritual things. Go with me to Hebrews 5 and 12 and I'll, I'll close. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews deals with the same thing with his church. I don't want you to think this is something like, this is just really strange. No, this happens everywhere. This is normal for church. Everybody in this room will fight being static. Everybody will fight being sometimes just, I don't want to deal with no more. Everybody will deal with times when I just don't want to, want to have to do it. All of us want to lay in the floor sometimes and kick and scream and say, it's not fair. But that's the difference between maturity and childish. Is the mature person may want to, may even get down there for a second, but they realize I can't stay here. The carnal Christian, not only static, but they're static. Here's what he says in Hebrews. In fact, though by this time we ought to be teachers, 
You. You ought to have somebody who's watching you right now. You should have somebody who's, who's looking at you and saying, I want to be like you. By now, there should be somebody who says, I want my life to be like your life. Think about that. Is there anybody you know that, would, that right now, since you've been living for Christ, as long as you have, do you know anybody that says, man, I, I want to be more like you? And you look at them and say, hey, let's do some Bible study together. Let's spend some time together. Let's, I tell you what, once a week we'll hang out. Have you made a contact? Because that's your whole purpose. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone still to teach you elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What I want more than anything in the world is I want my people to be filled. And filled simply means this. It means, number one, that I realize my need. I realize my need. Just like me yesterday. God, I don't feel like... I know, Tim. Let me fill you up before you make the call. Because I told you I pulled over and I... But what I did before I made the call is I'm like, God, I'm kind of tired. I'm mentally kind of tired. And part of me in my flesh doesn't want to just feel me. Give me the right attitude. Give me the right heart. Give me the right spirit. So I can make the right. Realize your need. If you're in this room today and you say, I don't, I don't, I'm more normal, Brother Lot, than I am. Spirit-filled. I'm more normal than I am fruit of the Spirit. Then first, realize your need. Number two, repent of your ways. Just like me in that car yesterday, I had to say, God, I don't feel like. I'm not. It wasn't just me getting filled. It was also me breaking myself and saying, look at you. You're not what you should be. But that's okay. God is always what He's supposed to be. And God is always ready to feed. I don't care if you have to go to the bathroom at work and just say, look, I've got to take a break. God, go fill me up. I've got to have a lot of you right now. That's okay. Learn to repent. Learn to say, God, I need you. Fill me. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to think like this. I don't want to be this person I'm not supposed to be. I don't want the enemy getting places in me where he can destroy and kill and steal. I don't want that. Feel me. Number three, as he's filling you, you've got to release your rights. See, even if I was in the car yesterday, and even if I had prayed and I had felt good, I could have just said, Lord, I'm not going to call them. I'm just, I'm just going to, I just believe whatever it is right now, Lord, you're going to take care of it, and I'm just not going to get engaged. Anybody ever do that? Y'all lying. Lord, whatever's going on, I'll call them tomorrow. But just, just touch them right now, Lord. Whatever's going on, just touch them. You've got to also be able to release yourself. Because if the Lord, if the... The Holy Spirit, the Lord's going to manifest Himself. It's because you release yourself. What He's put in you, you've got to be willing to let it now pour out. He didn't fill you to keep it. He filled you to overflow. He filled you so that you could pour out. It's okay. He'll refill it. Just pour out. He'll refill it. Pour out. He'll refill it. It'll keep you fresh. You won't get stale if it's the same old stuff in the cup the last five years and ain't ever been used. That's going to taste pretty bad. But if you keep pouring out and filling and pouring out and filling, it's going to be good. And number four, re-receive then God's power. The same God that pours you out 
is the same God that refills you. Will you stand? Right where you're standing this morning with every head bowed. Which one are you this morning? Are you the natural person you just were invited or you just keep telling yourself to come to church and if you just keep coming to church it'll get better? It isn't getting any better. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't get what all these people are so excited about. Maybe you're that person this morning that you're just normal. You're just normal. But God came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. To do that, He has to rebirth you. He's got to wake up what's dead. To do that, He has to fill you with His Spirit. To do that, He has to come in and make His home. And bring alive all that's been dead in you. And maybe this morning that's you. You're like, I'm tired of this fake, self-centered, it just ain't working life. I just keep getting tore up. Well, that's the devil's job. He's going to steal, kill. He's going to keep destroying everything in your life. That's what his job is. He's not going to stop. But God says you can come. Let me give you a new life filled with the Spirit where you can understand and see and feel love and care like you never have. If that's you, then God's waiting. He's just waiting on you. Maybe you're that spiritual person this morning. Maybe you're like, Pastor, I am. Man, I am doing good. I'm telling you, it's been good. My prayer life, my Bible reading, I'm... I I have really had a good season. Then that is awesome. Keep it going. Keep shining. Keep growing. Maybe you're that person this morning who's just a Christian. But you're a baby, a carnal Christian. You, You forgot that you have a hole in the cup. And it's leaked out. And yeah, you know how to go through all the motions and you know. But you start to notice that I'm kind of flipping back and forth from that normal person to what I want to be. I go back to normal. I go back to sometimes anger. And then, then I, I ask God to forgive me and I, I get back on track. And I just, Brother Lot, it just seems like it's a fight every single day. And you just need to be filled, you need to be refreshed. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to just touch you again like He has in times past and renew and remind you you're not the person that the enemy keeps telling you you are. You're full of joy and peace and gentleness and kindness. You're full of temperance and meekness. It just needs to be filled again. Where the fruit of the Spirit comes flowing out of you. If you're one of those this morning, and you say, Pastor, I need to come. I just need you to pray for me. Lay your hands on me and just allow God to fill me. That's what I'm here for. If you need to just receive salvation and say I just need the spirit period then that's what we're here for if you're in this room and you need that this morning and I want you to step out from wherever you are just meet me up here don't go home today still fighting a battle of trying to just not be normal you weren't made to be normal he came that you might have life and have it in abundance 
And there's no reason for you to live any less than abundance in your life. That's not my promise. That's not what I told you you're supposed to have. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I did everything I did so that you this morning can come and raise your hands and you can say, Lord, fill me. I'm your child. Just fill me. I need strength that, that I don't have right now. Fill me. I need wisdom I don't have right now. Fill me. Father, thank you. May the Lord bless you in this congregation as I pray with these. You just head on to Sunday school, wherever you're supposed to. I probably messed that up a little bit, but go give that devil fits. Have a good week. God bless you.